When AB5 went into effect, it was like a job-killing bomb went off in California's independent contracting industry, destroying jobs left and right. Kira Davis is an independent writer, podcaster, filmmaker, and lives in California. She has seen the impact this law has had and is still having in her state. Today, she tells her story and warns us that the PRO Act will do to your state what AB5 did to hers. Here we go. Let's start out just by explaining a little bit about your background and what you do uh, out in California. Yeah, I am a a freelance writer and I am editor at large for redstate.com. I'm a podcaster and also like everyone else in California, I have a side gig, which is I am a a filmmaker. So I do a little bit of everything, but uh, Dwayne, you and I have known each other for quite a while. And we started out on the blogger circuit together. That's how I started, just really blogging about national politics, opinion. I wanted to figure out, you know, is there such a thing as someone paying you to tell them what you think? And I figured it out. I live in California now. I've lived in California for about a dozen years, as long as I've been an independent contractor and writer. And I live in California with my husband and two children and my dog who is barking outside right now. <laughs> well, that makes that, that makes two dogs because as soon as I hit record, we've talked about yep. this before. As soon as I hit record, it's like every bumpus hound in my neighborhood yes. just starts barking. <laughs> like you were sleeping 30 seconds yep. ago. You got to bark my, now. My, my neighbor bought a uh, leaf blower. And I live in the California suburbs. So I I live literally right next door to my neighbors. We share a driveway. They're lovely people. We love them. So it's not a bad arrangement. But my podcasting studio was in my garage for a little while. And he is like many men is obsessed with his tools. And so he uses that leaf blower like three times a day. We don't have any weather in California, but he just goes out. I had to move my podcast studio into my closet because (laughs) I can't I can't depend on him to not be using the leaf blower at all times during the day so these are first world podcaster problems but they're very real so when you saw AB5 coming I'm assuming that there was talk of AB5 and what it could do and really there wasn't it was was below the radar it really flew below the radar there were I saw a few people talking about it there was Kim Cabin who's out east she's in New Jersey and she was fighting something similar to AB5 in New Jersey she was the lone independent contractor voice out there she managed all by herself just through brute force to get it rejected from their legislature so I'd seen her posting a little bit about hey California this thing is coming to you a couple of writers I saw posting about it didn't think anything of it. It wasn't until maybe the last, maybe December 2019, because it was going to become law January 1st, 2020, when people started saying, hey, this thing is, you know, we, that we, this thing passed. And it comes in in January uh, 1st. And that's when a lot of us started looking at it. It flew way under the radar. And you have to understand, Dwayne, that here in California, because we have one party rule and it's basically a straight democracy, any thing that the assembly proposes gets passed. So they're passing dozens of bills like every day. It's just really hard to keep up with stuff. And I think a lot of people also thought, how bad could this be? 
think it was framed as as really reining in Uber and Lyft and and the uh, and that industry. So I think it just a lot of people didn't pay attention to the few people who were bringing it up, and there were a few, but I was definitely not one of them. It wasn't until the last month of nineteen of uh, twenty nineteen that I realized, oh, this is coming and this is a problem. And I, and the real tragedy is that most freelancers in California didn't know until January 1st, 2020, when they woke up and had letters from their employers, people that they were contracting with from across the country saying, oh, by the way, we can no longer hire you. AB5 has passed in California and it makes it impossible for us to hire independent contractors out of your state. So you no longer have a job. So that's really what I want to dig down into is how how bad this actually has impacted the people in California. Because it, I can't imagine having a, a gig, having a paid gig, and I remember how hard it is to get those. I mean, I remember I remember yeah. the first time I got a paid gig, and I was like, holy yes. cow, this is actually yeah. going to happen. I'm, I'm going to get paid for a change. Um, yes. And to have that, that's, that I don't know, feeling of security – and then to just wake up and have it gone. How how bad yeah. was it across the state? It was brutal. It was brutal. It's still we're still languishing under it. Um it was it hit it, it was supposed to the only reason we got this thing was it was supposed to go after Uber and Lyft. It was supposed to rein them in and ultimately it was a bill to force them to make their contractors employ employees. But Uber and Lyft were so big that they could just ignore it. They were like, no, nah, we're going to file a lawsuit. We're going to um, get this ballot on a measure. And in the meantime, we're going to continue business as usual. And we dare you to come after us. So they got to continue working. But what happened was the, the little guys got hit and no one realized how many jobs were actually folded into this very vague bill. The bill is written very vaguely. So it's really hard. This is one of the reasons why a lot of bit businesses stopped hiring out of California, not necessarily because they knew for sure that it would be a problem, but because the bill was so vague, the state could just decide to have a problem with you and could make hay out of anything in the bill. So what it did was it actually outlawed basically all independent contracting when it was applied, 350 job categories, just wiped out in a day. Basically anything that you contract for, not just writers, we call it the freelance bill. And when people think freelancers, they think writers, but not just us. Children's theaters had to close because now you're forced to make everybody who works for you an employee. Well, the children's theater does school plays. You're only working nine months out of the year. You don't hire full-time employees to do children's shows one hour a day for a few months of the year. So some historic children's theaters had to close. We had to close music festivals because we could no longer pay musicians unless they were employees that killed the gig economy and uh, California is the gig economy. California invented the gig economy. Festivals, music festivals were closed. Nurses, if you contracted as a nurse, your job was done. If you contracted as a security guard, your job was done. Court reporters are largely contractors. They were devastated. Um, speech interpreters, uh, speech therapists and language interpreters were especially hit hard because they, the nature of their industry is contracting, right? You, you go from client to client place to place. Anything you cut, truck drivers were hit really hard by it. It was just a disaster from the start. A lot of people are focusing on this recall, Gavin Newsom thing and thinking that it has to do 
mainly with the pandemic. And that's a big part of it. But it started long before that with AB5 because we estimated we lost about, and this is just a rough estimate. Some will be more liberal, some will be more um, conservative. But we've estimated that about a million paying jobs were lost because of AB5. Man. Yeah. I, I think about the construction industry also. I mean, there's yes. got to be a ton of, of independent contractors. And a lot oh, of people think of gig economy. They're thinking driving for, for Uber, delivering for DoorDash. Um, yeah. But it isn't. It's it's. I, I like to, to focus more on the fact that you're they're targeting independent contractors. And that, yes. that covers a lot of real estate. There are people who do drywall that are independent contractors. And these are hardworking folks who are just trying to, to make it. And boom, suddenly, again, they're, they're probably losing jobs across the state. Imagine, Dwayne, for just a second that you are a DJ, okay? And I know that's hard to, to think about. I mean, you you build furniture, <laughs> which is cool, which is super cool. But uh, <laughs> Well, I beatbox when I do it. Does that help? Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I'll ask your kids. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine you're a DJ in California, young guy, 25, and you're putting your services out there. Hire me to go to this bar. Hire me to go to this festival. And you go to your regular gig. Let's say you get a regular gig every Friday night. You walk in there with your equipment and the manager says, I'm sorry, we can't hire you to DJ tonight because in order to do that, we have to make you a full-time employee. And so to be a full-time employee, you need to DJ here uh, 40 to 45 hours a week. And we also need to offer you benefits. We also have to offer you a retirement plan uh, and we can't afford all that. So we're just not going to have music. We're just going to pump it in over the speakers. That is AB5 in a nutshell. That's what it did. It it requires employers to make everyone a full-time employee. And as you and I well know, that's not what uh, freelancers want. We, If we want to be employees, we'll go find a job that gives us all the benefits. There are all kinds of reasons to be a freelancer that have nothing to do with driving cars and delivering food. And to be honest, this was just a naked attempt by Sacramento here in California to unionize all workers. That's really what it is. The The idea, the architect of the bill is Lorena Gonzalez, who you're very familiar with. She actually said out loud, there's a tweet that we've preserved. She actually said that the goal is to require every worker in California to be an employee and then unionize every employee in California. I had not thought about the impact that this had on employers. I I had focused on independent contractors. I thought about the gig economy. And I knew I knew Uber, they have the power and they have the history of just looking at government and saying, you know, we've we've seen your law. Now let me see you enforce it. Uh, they yeah. do that and that's bold. But I hadn't thought about the impact that it had on employers. You know, when you bring up the DJ, the idea of of, of club owners trying to differentiate themselves by the by the DJs they bring in. Right. That 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 puts people in the in the club, but it, now everybody has to decide: Do we hire this person, or do we just pump in house music through the speakers and and put it? You know, maybe plug in an iPod, and you got Spotify. You know, DJ Spotify tonight. I hadn't thought of that. That's that has a profound impact too. That might not show up in jobs being lost, but in how businesses are impacted. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, really, I the first public meeting I went to regarding AB5 was at a, a local a LA 
district representative's office. And I went with a friend who's an opera singer and who was losing work because of 85. So we went and, and met and there was maybe, we had went in shifts because so many people showed up to this guy's office. He was the first person to open up his doors to talk about it. We had to go into his office in shifts. And so I went with 12 other people. One gentleman was the owner of, um, of a, uh, a, a local children's theater here that is, is very popular, has been pretty famous for a long time for their work in inner city schools and it's a nonprofit, but it operates um it operates with contractors and this guy came in he said i have owned this 30 this this theater for 30 years we have educated x amount of kids i employ this many actors and i'm having to shut my doors because of ab5 because how can i make 40 actors employees full-time employees. We work on donations. We work on a nonprofit status. How can I give them benefits? How can I give them 40 hours of work a week? They're actors. You know, we work for six weeks, seven weeks out of a year. So now my theater that helped all these kids is gone. So yeah, it's not just about the employees. It's not just about the workers. It is about the employers too. And, and what they can sustain under this type of bill. It's absolutely oppressive. And many, many people have lost their businesses to this law long before the pandemic hit. The, you know, one thing that is important to really emphasize, and you, you mentioned it earlier, but I want to highlight it and I, I want to make sure everybody understands. This is such this is such a vague law that nobody really knows what it means, how it's defined, and it could be yeah. defined one way on Tuesday and a different way on Thursday, depending on the regulator and the person defining it, right? Absolutely. This is the problem. I mean, the, the bill, the bill is a mess. The bill is an absolute mess. It was written by a woman who, um, so I'm not, I'm really genuinely not trying to be disparaging, but this woman did not know how to write a bill or she just was, she just made it intentionally stupid, but with my dealing with her, I think she just, over the last year and a half, I realized she didn't know how to write a bill. And so she just kind of threw in some language that she thought would say what she wanted it to say because it's Sacramento, because it's California, these things never get parsed out, discussed or debated. They just get pushed through. And it wasn't until it got pushed through, she did the Nancy Pelosi thing, right? We got to pass it to see what's in it. It wasn't until it got pushed through that we saw how it was being applied. And you're absolutely right. It can be applied very liberally or very conservatively and can be ignored if somebody wants to ignore it, like Uber and Lyft. But you do that at the risk of the government coming at you if they get a bug up their butt about you in some way. And so what's happening is businesses and what has already happened is businesses that contract from across the country just decided we don't even want to mess with it. We don't even want to risk getting caught up with the California legislature and California law. So we're just not going to hire out of California at all. I'll give you one example. Um, our cartoonist over at Red State, a lovely woman named Barbara Fox, uh, who was suffering from stage four ovarian cancer, was no longer really able to work, but loved to cartoon. And so contacted us and said, I'd love to come work for Red State. I can't really walk or move around anymore, but I can still use my animation software and, and I want to draw cartoons for you. So we said, and she said, it would make me really happy. So we said, great. 
We set her up with a little contract. It was just enough for her to like pay for some of her extra meds that she was doing. And it gave her an outlet to do something while she was trying and fighting against cancer and sent her the contract, I think, you know, December 18th or 19th of 2019 and immediately had to rescind it January 2nd. So Barbara lost the job that she thought she had that was giving her some some life and some some hope and some extra income as she fought cancer. And we had to tell her, we cannot hire you because you're in California. And this law has passed. And it was devastating. And unfortunately, Barbara passed away a couple of months ago. Um, she did succumb to her cancer. And it's one of my deepest regret, regrets that we were never able to get that fixed for her. These are the people that this bill hurts, not Uber, not Lyft, it's not the big corporations. It's the people like Barbara who, who just want to be the master of their own destiny, who just want to control this one little piece of their life and do what they want to do and make their own decisions. That's who this bill affects. And now it's coming to the rest of the United States. Yeah, through the PRO Act, they have the very similar ABC uh, requirements, ABC testing that California has seen. And is there any reason in your mind to think that what happened, the results, the consequences of, of, of this bill in California, is there any reason to think that that won't happen across the rest of America? No, absolutely not. In fact, there's a global push for this bill. Other nations have passed this bill. There is a global, I, I sound like I have a tinfoil hat on now, but this is the this is the truth. There is a global union push. I have no idea how all that works. I've never even been in a union, so I don't even know how it works, but there is a global union push for this AB5 to outlaw uh, independent contracting. It's already passed in London. It's already passed in Spain. I think it just passed in Italy. I think there's a couple Eastern European countries that have passed it. So this is slowly making its way across the globe. This is a push to unionize workers. So absolutely not. It doesn't, it's not going to just stop. In, they pass the PRO Act and every Democrat's framing it as some kind of victory for workers. But when you actually read it, you realize that it's it codifies unionization into the Constitution. So this is a big this is a big deal. And it's not going to stop there. These people want to crush independent contracting and independent contracting for all of their their arguments are always this is for social justice. This is for the little people. Well, guess who makes up the majority of independent contractors? Women and minorities, right? Because we're moms who maybe need a, a flexible job or we come from communities where maybe the traditional avenues of education and opportunity haven't been available to us. So we've had to go make our own and we like making our own. So this is a this is a, a push to crush the, uh, the go-getters and the self-reliant in America, and absolutely, this is an attempt to squash the PRO Act. If you have a side gig, the PRO Act will kill it. It will kill it. And we tried to warn people last year about this. And every time I wrote an article about it, someone would say, oh, it's fine. It's gonna, it's gonna die in the Senate. And I was like, well, hello, we've got an election coming up in 2020. Oh, it's fine. It's in the bag. We're reelecting Trump and the Senate's gonna hold. <laughs> I mean, this is why we have to pick policy over party, because 
it, politics is cyclical in this country. What an arrogant assumption to make, and we're paying for it dearly. Policy over party. That's I couldn't have said it better. I mean, that that's absolutely right. We have to focus on what the policy is because we, we see this so often. We have people who will do things, and it's almost as if their mindset is, well, my, my team will always be in charge. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. There is a great quote from um, Justice John Marshall and uh, Justice Chief Justice John Marshall was one of, was the first Supreme Court Chief Justice. He knew George Washington and he actually wrote a seven volume a biography of George Washington, which is available for free on Kindle, by the way. I've been trying to get through it for five years. <laughs> it's, it's written in Old English, you know. But what he did to write this biography was he sent he sent 10 interns across the country for, for uh, almost 20 years. They started at the beginning and they gathered information, uh, even from the, they wanted to tell the full story of George Washington. So they, he said, I want you all to start from the beginning of America, get every document, get every government record. Let's tell the story of what was happening, every colony. So early on in, in this, in volume one of this seven volume series, he talks about how the early colonies were always changing hands, right? They were always warring with each other for who should be in charge. And one religious group would be oppressed and then they'd have an uprising and they'd get in charge and then they'd outlaw the other religious group and then back and forth, so on and so on. So this is what he writes about that time in America. He's writing this in the early 1800s about the uh, late 1600s to early 1700s. So true is it that men close their eyes on encroachments committed by that party to which they are attached in the delusive hope that power in such hands will always be wielded against their adversaries, never against themselves. That's a quote from centuries ago, and it still applies. It, this is why we always have to err on the side of freedom, right? Exactly. That's why, that's why principles matter. Principles matter not not the party not the team not the tribe and it's amazing how often we i find myself that's that's a fantastic quote it's amazing how often i find myself going back and reading like the nerd that i am reading about the history of trade policy in america thinking we've been having this argument for 300 years this is not yeah. new yes and it's the same thing here let's let's uh i don't want to keep you too long but i'm curious if you could help me understand what has worked to get through to folks in California? What could work to, to help educate people across the country? It's been a hard, it's been a hard push to just get um, people, visibility really. And so A, what, what first worked was unfortunately people losing their jobs. Yeah. That's what worked. Um, and but then that was they too late then. I mean, it was too late by then. I know. It, was, it was already an act. So that's, I mean, that's a, a wake up call that we hope doesn't happen yeah but yeah that's I'm, I, I'm that would be a that wake-up that, call i'm afraid because this is such a weird thing and it's a thing when you explain it people are like no way like not in the u.s no way of course not your this is your tinfoil hat you know this is your info wars like stuff like there's no way that the united states of america would tell you that you're not allowed to babysit unless you're an employer that you're not allowed to to drive a, a an uber unless unless you're an employee 
there's no way there's no way that they would tell you that you can't run your children's theater unless you make 40 part-time actors full-time employees for the entire year there's no way that's not how we do things that's that would be unconstitutional and it would be but see the democrat uh the Democrats that are supporting this bill understand that all they have to do is pass it. And then whether or not it ever gets repealed is that's a whole other battle. So I fear my deepest fear is that people will have to find out the hard way and then it'll get a constitutional challenge. What I hope will happen and what I would like to see happen and what people like you are doing right now is to just, for those of us who have platforms and voices and are able to talk about this, we need to be talking about this. We need to be writing about this. We need to be sharing this with our friends across the political spectrum. This this is beyond politics. Here in California, it was it was really galvanizing. There are just as many liberals and Democrats against this bill as conservatives and Republicans, because at the end of the day, green is the color that speaks the loudest, not red or blue. And so I'm hoping that more personalities will take this up. I would love to see some of the news outlets take this up. This will affect their business, right? Even a business like CNN is going to be affected by the CNN doesn't have 10,000 employees. They probably have about, you know, 5,000 employees and then a bunch of independent contractors who run the cameras and on, on the side, like, and have another three gigs at another studio or who are or are contracting as producers, contracting as writers, contracting as reporters. Dwayne, let's talk about this for a second. Here's a nefarious thing that maybe some people haven't thought about, but I think that the left has thought about this. It, the AB5 as applied nationally in the PRO Act has the potential to kill the independent reporting industry. Because now independent journalists cannot be paid as contractors. And most of alternative media depends on independent contractors. Most of alternative media hires out their reporting, hires out their writers, et cetera, hires out their editors, hires out their video people, et cetera. So what this will do is make those people impossible to hire. And now the only people who can afford to be in the news industry will be the conglomerates, the corporations, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and that's it. The rest of the little guys will be gone. So this is actually going to kill independent and alternative reporting in this country as well. Well, we saw that with Vox when when AB5, when <laughs> Vox had to fire. we a hard lesson. LA Times 2. And Vox was very vocal about supporting AB5. And so was the LA Times. And because they have largely become stenographers for Sacramento here in the state. And I don't mind saying that. It's it's the truth. But when they, they thought it was going to be a great idea, because the writers that were writing the stories were like, well, this is going to help us unionize. Well, what happened when it passed? Vox said, we, we can't afford to make 200 writers uh, full-time employees with benefits you got to go. And what did the LA Times say? We can't afford to, I think they made two cuts of hundreds of people last year uh, in, in separate incidences. We can't afford to make you all full-time employees. You've got to go. So now they have a few full-time writers um, and the rest of those people, I don't know what happened to them, but yeah, they learned the hard way. Vox learned a hard lesson. I want to conclude with something that you mentioned earlier and, and I have tried to impress upon people. And that is something that actually Ralph Nader taught taught me years ago. 
Um, he was in a, in a, uh, a presentation with Grover Norquist, and they were talking about the fact that even though they were both almost ideological opposites, they were together on the one issue they were there to talk about. And Ralph, he said that there's nothing that terrifies a politician more than the left and the right united against them. And that's what you're you're describing out there right now in yeah. California. And that's the danger is that we are so we are so divided or we're so polarized that we have people who don't recognize the strength they have when united with other people that they might might disagree with on other things. But when yeah. you unify around a common cause, you amplify your effectiveness and you amplify your power. And you're seeing that in California right now. Divide and conquer is not just a cliche. You know, that that is a it's a political tactic. And uh, it's what I it's what I try to work against on my um, my podcast. Just listen to yourself with Kira Davis, which is available wherever you find your podcast. But on that show, I take topics. I take topics that are hot button issues and I break them down. I break down all the talking points that are to their logical conclusion, because I think that a lot of times we're, we are so divided that we're only listening to each other with partisan ears instead of learning how to critically assess what each other is saying. We don't have to agree on everything, but sometimes when we break down our talking points and we break down what the real issue, we get to the heart of the issue, not the the bomb throwing and the flame throwing, but the heart of the issue, we realize there are some things that we can't agree on. And this is one thing that we found in California with 85 fighting this. There are some things that we all agree on. We don't all agree on abortion. We don't all agree on mail-in voting. We don't all agree on whether or not we should kick Gavin Newsom to the curb. But we all agree that we want the right to choose how we work. We have the right to choose how we work. And no politician has the right to tell us that we're not working correctly. It's not their job. It's not their purview. They do not give us our rights. They do not uh, provide our rights for us. And they they work for us. That is that has been a unifying force. So I, if I would, if I could leave just one thought in your head as you're listening to this podcast, folks, and as you're wondering, you know, what what can I do where I'm at? I'm just I'm just somebody listening to this. I don't you know, I don't have any sway in my legislature. I don't, I don't have a big platform or anything like that. There's two things you can do. One important thing you can do is find out who your legislate, uh, legislators are and write them. It makes a difference. Dwayne and I both know this. So few people actually write to their representatives these days that if you can do it, if even a few people write in, that moves the needle for them. Because now they're like, oh, people are actually taking the time to write. So you may feel like your call or your letter doesn't make a difference, but it does. I promise you, it does. So go ahead and contact your representative and tell them you do not support the PRO Act, that you will be watching how they vote on the PRO Act, and that you would prefer they vote no on the PRO Act. Call your senators. It's already passed the House. Um, the other thing you can do, though, is to remember that um, this isn't political. And so Give yourself the luxury of hearing people out before you come back at them, before you respond and hear what their questions are and hear what their issues are. Because a lot of people will come at me and say, oh, you're just a right wing nut job or whatever. You just don't, you just hate unions. You're a union buster. Well, what's the, 
What's the crux of that argument? What are they really saying to me? Are they saying to me that they hate me because I'm a right-wing nutjob? Or are they saying that they believe that unions stand up for the little guy? And that I'm the one that is saying that the little guy doesn't deserve help. Maybe that's what they're saying. And that's not true, but I can't get, I can't dig into that and answer that answer that accusation unless I'm willing to be calm and to like dig into what they're really saying to read between the lines and then I can say I can understand that you feel this way unions fight for the little guy and you don't want to see anything happen to them but let me tell you about this little guy this is why I fight for this I want you to have the right to be in a union you have every right to be in that union and I have every right to not be in it and that's all I'm protecting I want you to be able to choose it and I want me to be able to not choose it so be willing to tolerate a little bit of pushback to get to the heart of the matter. As we were saying before, policy over party. This is an issue for me, like school choice that kind of transcends politics and party. This is about our freedom to be the masters of our own destinies, which is what this country is about. <laughs>